0: After a long hiatus, Vanderpump Robs is back with Season 4. If you're unfamiliar with Vanderpump Robs, it's a sexy, unique recap podcast focusing on the comedy that comes from reality TV, and more specifically, Vanderpump Rules. Vanderpump Robs is known as the best Vanderpump Rules recap podcast. We all know this, but did you know that in Season 4, my guest co-host will be Peter Madrigal? if you're familiar with our spotify live show you're not going to want to miss us rewatch every episode of the fourth season of vanderpump rules so subscribe to vanderpump robs and we'll see you this summer with brand new episodes oh hey and tell your friends oh and also go listen to all the old episodes it's vanderpump robs
1: wait rob is that who we're talking about yeah Welcome to Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure. I'm Bill Tilley. And I'm
0: Rob Schulte. Bill, it's the first episode. And the first episode kind of sets the tone for a podcast, right? It I don't does. want to put too much pressure on you or on me, but we've got this. I mean, we're just really good at what we do.
1: Oh, we do, Rob. We are swinging the ceremonial bottle of champagne against this podcast and sending it on its way with smiles on our faces. It's going to be great.
0: Oh, yeah. So... Here's the thing. We talked about this in the trailer and I'm sure everyone's listened to the trailer. Why would you skip the
1: trailer? Right. Who, who does that? Nobody should skip the trailer. Just like you should always stay through the end credits.
0: Absolutely. And I know you ate all of your popcorn
1: during the trailer, but
0: save a little bit for the episode proper. I'm sure
1: I have some stuck to my shirt, so I'll get to that. (laughs) I was, it was the Royal you, uh,
0: anyone listening, as we said in the trailer, We originally started this podcast as Pumpkin Spice Podcast, a new season of Pumpkin Spice Podcast, a revitalization of Pumpkin Spice Podcast, but it was like jamming 10 pounds of Pumpkin Spice into a five pound latte. It just was overflowing and everywhere. It was less about horror and more about what do we want to watch next? What Uh type of films? What series? Oh my God. You know?
1: Yeah. Just like a good movie should you get to watching something and you're like, oh man, we've got to do some more stuff. And as much as we wanted to do the other predator shows, we pretty much realized that we just have too much fun doing all kinds of movies. So we thought, why not stick around in some kind of themes, but then give ourselves plenty of leeway to go wherever we want. And so if we feel like we want to throw on the cloak and sneak off into another genre, a la predator, we're going to do it.
0: Yeah. Uh, not to mention, if we want to take a week off and then come back with a, I don't know, made for TV movie, we can do that. We can do that. We have complete control because it is an excellent adventure. It is. Now, Bill, today we are watching Robo War, which we recorded months ago at this point, but we have to give this little preamble. We got to get people excited. We also have to cut out all of the original intro. We were talking about Pumpkin Spice podcast. And I know our audience is forgiving. It's episode one. They've proven themselves to be. But it's also fun to look back on things. Like when you first jump into a podcast, you you feel like you have everything ready to go. But once you're done with it, you're kind of like, oh, well, I kind of wish I would have introed it this way or that way or whatever. We have the luxury of being able to look back and now say, you know what? That was a lot of fun. I am really looking forward to this episode.
1: It was. It was especially for me because I had never done anything like this and wasn't sure I was going to go. So I was a thought I was prepared. Then you kind of feel like you're not, but got to admit it was too much fun to not enjoy every second of it. And now can't wait for the next one. It's always up to the next one for me.
0: Oh yeah. Completely and utterly. Now, Bill, I don't want to waste any more time for our audience, but I need to let them know that if you haven't left us a rating and review, or you haven't checked out the links on how you can help out this show in the show notes, please do that because by the end of the episode, you're just going to be so excited that you just listen to the episode that all you're going to do is tell your friends, which is also helpful. But why do I need to like give you all that at the end? I just need to give it now.
1: Yeah, because you're going to be in such a fever. You're going to want to run out and tell people about War, and you need to tell them where you heard it from. That's all we're asking. So,
0: Bill, without further ado, let's uh, roll into this classic,
1: classic film, Robo War*. All analog systems are engaged, Rob. Hello, Robs. How are you?
0: Oh, It's great. You know, this is the second episode that you and I have recorded uh, as a duo podcast team. And uh, I'm forgetting, though, that this is the first one that's going to be public facing. And that's yep. exciting.
1: It is. It's one of those things, you know, behind the kimono folks, we do record things out of order, but hey, it's in order when you get them. And that's what matters.
0: And ultimately I think it's going to keep a uh, consistency because like, what if, so, you know, if we're, we're talking different types of fabric here that we're opening. Um, what if the curtain opens and you know that we've already recorded, the first of our Predator series audience. But leading up to the Predator series, we had to find movies that were like on the cusp or tangentially related to why we wanted to watch the Predator series. And Bill reminded me that just not too long ago, he had suggested I watch a movie called Robo War. And so, of course, we have to start with Robo War, Bill
1: absolutely this is the fun party trade stuff back and forth with the old hey have you seen this didn't know this existed and we stumbled upon this movie and we watched it believe it or not folks just for fun there is you can mm-hmm. still do that it's not yeah. what we're, we watch it for a living right now but it's you can still sit yeah. down and watch one and this one kind of took us by surprise and and how we felt about it so that's what we're going to be talking <laughs> about today
0: uh something fun that uh, that we're gonna do for this series in 2022 is that all of the segments that we will be using to discuss films for the Predator series are based off of what we want to discuss for Predator. So things like mission briefing, military intelligence, settle the score—these things that are gonna be related to Predator, but will also help guide us through these. Uh, bubble predator movies (laughs) and uh bill before we get into the meat of these things i do want to introduce you you are the card daddy you do social media among many other things for the greatest gin greatest discovery family of podcasts is there anything before we we head to valverde territory that you'd like to say there
1: uh just that uh that's a it's a great thing that those guys got me on board because it introduced me to Rob and it got me one of my best friends and it allows me to play with him on projects like this. So that got me to be the co-host of this show. So I'm eternally grateful for that because it allows me to watch these kind of fun things with my very good friend. So I will always be indebted, but if you are a star Trek fan or like star Trek in any one way, uh, at the shows over at Uxbridge motor, they're comedy based, but they're also film based. It's, just having fun with the whole thing. So please check those out because if you like this stuff, Rob produced a bunch of greatest discoveries. So if you want to go in our back catalog and get yourself some more Rob Schulte goodness, it's there to be had. So, and then I'm really excited about doing this kind of stuff on air with Rob and going out with him. I don't need to go out on my own. I'd rather Mm -hmm. go out with a partner and there's nobody else. I'd rather take into the jungles of the Philippines
0: yeah, I guess in this one it's the Philippines. figuratively. Season. Yeah,
1: Then <laughs> um, Rob Schulte.
0: We we discuss in Predator that everyone will find out here in a couple of months that like Valverde is is a is a Bermuda Triangle esque scenario that we found ourselves in, and now it's like Robo War feels like the smoke monster from Lost levels of confusion
1: in this Valverde verse. Yeah, Robo War kind of feels like if Valverde. Had their own knockoff cinema franchise. <laughs> These are the
0: movies made in Valverde.
1: Yeah, this is it's where they would have to name everything like El Blanco or just yeah, you can't call it Valverde.
0: Yeah. Oh man. Okay, Bill. One of the first segments we do on this show now is uh, called the mission briefing. Why don't you give people a brief synopsis of today's film?
1: Well, I will be uh, pulling my dossier information from the back of the DVD release for this. Mm. It is brief, but uh, it pretty much captures it all. I would love to be able to do some of the foreign ones, but I don't speak those languages So the back of those VHS covers. So we're going to be going with this one. So here we go, folks. When a team of badass commandos is hired for a jungle rescue mission, they'll instead find themselves hunted by a kill crazed creature that is part man and part machine wow um all action not a volume
0: <laughs> okay why can you paint a picture for me of like this style of movie and at the time it came out like what did it mean to you and was it always like a oh my god okay predator a ripoff of predator you know
1: It was, I remember these kind of movies uh, when you could see them in the video store. This style is the Italian style. It's all the foreign language markets would, and they, they make no bones about it in their own documentaries. They would take successful franchises, either rip off the whole thing or mash up parts of this. Uh, The writers of this movie directly say, this is part Robocop, part Predator, part Alien, and they just jammed as many bits of it as they could and they went off and they would film a movie on it so there was the wow. two kinds of cinema there was the, the quote unquote rip off cinema and then there was the actual movies that they would make on their own that was their own stories and their own plots so they all kind of fell into that same quality level that when you walked through the VHS store and you'd see the cover for Predator and back in the day you would have seen Robo War sitting right there next to it yeah. and you would have gone, mm, I don't think so
0: or I, do you think there's like a, a level of gambling when you make a movie like this where you go, everyone's going to be renting Predator. So we need to have, when Predator is sold out or rented out, we got to have Robo War right next to it
1: in the states yes overseas i'd say no because that's where these films were marketed so yeah. if you weren't getting the big american releases over there you were getting these movies and these mm-hmm. were the movies in the theater so you could of course see these blockbusters but you know these were these were their cultural movies they were the the countries were making movies for themselves so sure i'm sure they were talking a different way but it was definitely if you'd went in the video store and you're out of predator and robo wars there i would have given it a whirl Yeah, yeah. Not everybody, but I'm a little more open-minded than that.
0: Bill, can we just discuss the front of the DVD case? Like, what art do they have on there? Because this has to be some sort of reissue.
1: This has got to be a reissue. Uh, I mean, all the original art is usually just this great, like, comic book... conan heavy metal style artwork wow. so uh, it's one thing about the dvd i don't particularly care for because it's it's just a little too new and polished it's clearly had, had an update i would love to have had had a good art. artist like be able to take hours to hand draw something exactly i something don't think you probably
0: want framed over your uh fireplace but not on the cover of your dvd
1: exactly something that you could put up with pride that would not at all get you in trouble with anybody who lives in the house with you
0: nothing that's going to get the uh maybe we hang that in the bathroom
1: (laughs) yeah that's sure you don't want that in the garage yeah great in your garage you
0: should really consider putting that in your man cave
1: yeah and then Uh, of course you have to be like you just don't understand (laughs) and of course i'm talking to my dog in this Uh, scenario absolutely i have have cat right now so the cat doesn't care
0: cat and you're snowed in so you might be just talking to yourself
1: at this point, I could have gone full Overlook Hotel and not known it, so I'm going to have to look to you to tell okay. me
0: that. Well, there's no better way to do that than going into our next segment, which uh, you have coined military intelligence. <laughs> now, Bill, military intelligence are going to be like, hey, We've got the dossier in front of us. We've opened up the manila folder, or folders, depending on the depth and field and documentaries and books that we've read about these movies. I got a couple of quick ones that I'd like to rattle off to you, Bill, and maybe you have expanded on this. But um, at the filming, at the filming location in the Philippines, there was always an Italian chef present on location to cook anyone whatever they wanted that sounds impossible
1: it does it sounds impossible for a a 80s b-movie setting it's like well we had our own chef but they did because the italians would not eat the local cuisine they wanted italian food that's how they rolled the crew
0: were like i just need my creature comforts
1: yeah, but apparently this was common practice for them to just bring the chef along and let them cook up whatever they wanted for for lunch and for for dinner. So wow,
0: and I bet you those chefs were just going and eating local too because they were probably very much into exploring food. Who fucking knows? It's just ah. funny to think about. Like, there probably could have been money that was spent to maybe keep the omega. Hey, here's another fun little fact. The Omega-1 guy from passing out multiple times from heat exhaustion.
1: Yeah, you might have used the chef money to drill a couple of holes into the costume so that he wouldn't die. Yeah. Uh, That Um, would have been a good way to spend some of the extra cash in that budget.
0: And we can get back to uh, a little bit more on the robot in a second. But the other quick little intelligent fact I found on this tiny little bullet point at the bottom of this dossier is that if you couldn't tell Bill there's a romantic subplot that was left on the cutting room floor of this movie. It's like, ah, oh, these things we got to throw in here. It's already three movies in one. It was I'm amazing. surprised they left the room, the romance part. Cause at, for an eighties B movie, you could just see the guy chomping the cigar in the room, being like, "Yeah, but how are we gonna sell it to the lady?"
1: Yeah, I think so. uh, it's clearly a movie that was not marketed that way. But it's kind of odd because the way the movie's written, and you could easily just see him just cutting. You don't need romance at no. some point. Reb Brown's just gonna reach over, grab Catherine Hicklin, and then fade to black at some point in the movie. But that doesn't ever happen. It's yeah. really odd. So well, and not- it
0: feels like. Romance is like the easiest go-to thing in a movie that like ups the stakes. For all the things they add to this movie, I'm surprised that they cut that.
1: Yeah, which is kind of odd because this movie, unlike a lot of the movies of the time, it does not take advantage of the gratuitous nudity policy and drop that out there. There's none of that in this movie, so... I guess they just decided, like, Bruno Mattei was well-known for going action, action, action. And he's like, I'm not making a romance movie. We're making yeah. an action movie. So he stuck to it. And I think it was a good idea. I don't think this is a movie where the, a big romance element's going to it's gonna do it any favors.
0: Yeah, and, you know, that just reminds me. And maybe we should bring this up when I, we're in our debriefing phase. But uh, we should really compare these, this director to McTiernan as well. Because... They seem to have a lot of the same style, but Bill, what intelligence did you find in the dossier?
1: Well, uh, once I got through the redacted material, the thing that stuck <laughs> out to me, which was actually military-like, is that this film was actually being filmed at the same time as another film. One of the writers on War was actually directing a movie called After Death at the same <laughs> time, in the same location, so... The Italian way of making films is once they got a location, if they could, they would shoot two movies at a time to get their money's worth. So That makes sense. These movies were shot with one camera, apparently. And so they would shoot Robo War during the day and then shoot after death at night. And that is mind boggling to me. But. They did it, and they did it with a very small crew. the uh, The numbers are between ten and fifteen Italian crew members total. Wow. Who apparently, when they would make movies, they literally walked out of their homes with luggage, got on planes, flew to the Philippines, and then acquired all the equipment and the stuntmen <laughs> and the and the guns and everything. So their fifty man crew, they would just go hire on the spot, head off into the woods, and make a film. And when you think of that, that is insane. You have to that like is so you give them a you give them 200 million dollars and all the resources in the world and they can't get out of their own way but bruno Mattei could march you into the jungle and a week and a half later walk out with an, an entire movie so can we talk that about amazing. that
0: for a second like i hear like amateur filmmakers and young filmmakers being like and i've said it myself like just give me the money and i will i can guarantee you i will make Something that people will enjoy, right? Like, mm-hmm. I will find the sources, I will do this, we will get the scripting, we have the power. But like there is that level of like, oh yeah, but once we actually need it to do X, Y, and Z, like all these suits and ties have to get involved. And that's I don't want to deal with that.
1: <laughs> no, it's this was a time of filmmaking that was just these directors, they ran their shoots. The studios and- told them go make it, and that was it. They left with nothing and they came back with film and they would just market it and go with it. So that isn't, you can't even imagine doing that today with watch the end credits of a movie now. And there's 3000 names in that movie, but the Robo war has what? 18 names in it total. Maybe that's pretty quick, including the cast who, even according to one of the actors on there, they, the cast and the Italian crew would have three jobs per man. Like he was the stunt coordinator and an actor. And the safety guy, Jesus! Uh, I just have one more, which was a nice, interesting little bit. The from the documentary with uh, Sonny Peel was that, and coming in on screen, I, I laughed heartily when I realized the the team instead of being dropped off by helicopters, dropped off by a small fishing boat. From the looks of it, a fishing boat. If you noticed, Rob on the bow was dubbed the African Queen Two. Wrote now, that down I, myself. I don't know if this was some kind of shot at telling people, ha, we know what we're doing here. <laughs> like,
0: or we, what we've or just, seen good movies. Like we we know how they're made. It, we yeah. get it. We went to film school too.
1: To the point where the captain of this boat actually has a t-shirt that they bothered to make up. It says African Queen 2 on it, as if he's a real charter line. It just <laughs> It floored me. And the, as they're coming and in, they're in the all, Philippines, I, I, I was blown away by this. And the fact that the entire crew is just on board getting fairly well lit, smoking yeah. up some marijuana that turns out was absolutely real.
0: I saw that too. And also mind boggling, never seen weed smoked this way. And honestly seems very smart. Now, if you haven't seen the movie audience, what they actually do is, hold the joint, you know, in, in an era of COVID, Mm -hmm. this is a great way to share. Sure. And they like cup their hands. And if you're tuning into the live stream, obviously you can see what I'm doing folks. But, uh, you put the joint in and then like near your thumbs, you know, like where open the doors here, all the people uh, steeple sort of thing with your hands, you suck in and that's how you inhale the smoke as if you're like, makeshift bonging
1: the cup of your hand yeah it looked to me like it was like kung fu bonging i would have called it very spiritual looking i think yeah but
0: then it's like when you see the dude who looks kind of like chuck norris doing it it's just like wow no maybe i don't know he looks dumb
1: but (laughs) yeah i think it's because he looks like chuck norris yeah. exactly like chuck norris at the time far much a, a far non-redhead
0: chuck norris
1: yes this is a, a very eric norris vibe coming eric, off of this guy Barry. for sure the kind of guy that i would have seen go into my brother's apartment back in the day that's that yeah. kind of guy
0: now bill people say lots of great things about uh what's his name reb brown reb brown who's in like uncommon valor <laughs> and among some other
1: great hits you're right. It it filled me with nothing but more love for Reb Brown. I yeah. knew Reb from he was on Chips back in the day. Oh, early, that's right? But Reb for me will also always be. He was the original TV Captain America. He played Captain America on the oh original my Marvel.
0: God, TV. that's right. You sent me a link of that too. Let's move to a settle the score. Now, Bill, this is a micro segment or a macro segment, depending on the volume. It's when we talk about the effects of the score of the movie. Now, Bill, all I have to say about the score of this movie is can I purchase it and where? I would like to have a big vinyl disc of this humming those sounds when I'm playing any video
1: game. I am not sure that there's a vinyl out there. I haven't looked, but if you buy the re-release uh-huh. 4k Blu-ray, it is an included extra Ooh! on the Blu-ray. You can own the soundtrack to this movie. And well,
0: Bill, you know, you got to open that Plex up and make a music folder and dump
1: that right in there. Oh, uh, so good. But oddly enough, I, this, the music for this movie kind of struck me hard. I like it, but I don't like it for this movie.
0: Oh, good point. I don't think I thought about it like that. I think I just thought about it as fun songs because I just already knew the movie was bad.
1: (laughs) You know, bad quote. It is. It's a bit of a hash because there's some creepy kind of scary music that happens a little bit during it. But then it's intercut with these very 80s rock and roll (laughs) knockoff songs or, (laughs) you know, low lower totem bands that's like it just juts in your face and they sound like your standard 80s fight montage Yeah, but they'll be played when the team is creeping through the jungle and so unlike Predator where the team's kind of got this heroic but low-key instrumental vibe you've just got electric guitar in your face while these guys are trying to stealthily move through the jungle it just just does not work for this movie at all
0: you could tell there was one point where they're like uh, we need to add like ten minutes to this movie.
1: Well, there's actually a scene later in, but I think it fits better here. Where if you uh, if you go to forty eight minutes and thirty three seconds, that is okay. a scene where they are walking through the jungle, and what we what I call the long walk, where they're just walking. <laughs> there's a lot of walking through the jungle in this movie, and yes. I'm now convinced it was because they paid for this song, they need to they need uh, to play uh. it so uh-huh. that's all they've got to do and they can afford to do is walk and they walk through the jungle and as the music's playing reb and catherine Hicklin, who plays a character called virgin if you can believe that in this movie and, and they mel Dav- the
0: love subplot right <laughs>
1: yeah and mel davidson are walking through and they walk through these you can see them go between two trees so the trees in front of the camera and then they walk behind the tree and there's another tree there so clearly they've gone between two trees it's very slowly Great. next shot camera pans out till it looks like about a 40 foot god shot from above you can see both of the trees they've walked through so they've clearly gone back around and they're walking through again in the same order except on both sides of those trees is nothing there's like a <laughs> hundred feet of nothing around these two trees in the middle of this field which these actors go straight through like it's a turnstile on a subway like they yeah. have to and that's when that song's playing and I I laughed uncontrollably <laughs> when I saw this. It was one of oh the most amazing God. cuts I've ever seen. Just like, it's like the it's like a movie where the, there's just a door in the middle of nowhere, like a Twilight Zone door. And there's like, why would you go through this door? Yeah. I don't understand. Walk around the trees, but they paid for that song. And I guess part of the other thing that's neat about this is Al Festa, the guy who wrote the music for this, uh-huh. also worked on After Death, the other movie that was being yeah, filmed. Yeah, Yeah. And so to make up for the fact that he wasn't being paid a lot of money, he reused a bunch of the after death music for (laughs) Robo War, just spliced it in. And then the rock stuff was because one of the writers was a big John Carpenter fan. And you can tell he's going for the, the John Carpenter vibe, that synth vibe that escape from New York had. So when I heard that, I'm like, okay, I get what you were doing and why you like this music, but you really didn't get John Carpenter this one so it's it's kind of amazing but if you buy the blu-ray sit back and just enjoy enjoy the ride it is it's a great listen it's just not great for this movie
0: (laughs) bill what do we have next on the agenda the agenda is different than the dossier
1: yes but Uh, if If you want to go down the yeah this is more like the equipment list that we're going through at this point so this is a segment that i really enjoy it's probably my most favorite segment of this entire thing because it comes from one of my most favorite moments in predator we call this who's gonna have them some fun and this is the part where we pick out an actor that really stands out of this movie for whatever reason, either they're having a good time. We had a good time watching it. They're having a terrible time. We can't understand why it does not matter why we like this person, just that we like them. So uh, Rob, I'm going to let you take point on this category and I need you to tell me who's having them some fun. I got to go with
0: Omega one is having them some fun. Maybe the most fun because if you've died and are brought back as some sort of leather daddy robo commando of some sort with something that can kill you with one button but the person has to be standing next to you like that's that's fun too cuz you're like well at least they're going to take themselves out <laughs> but like the best thing here is when he does end up uh, like killing himself exploding his his robot body. It took me right back to first blood part two when Rambo sends that explosive arrow at the guy and his boots stay. Ah. Like the Robo war boots stay. The police issue boots stay when he explodes, and that's just so much fun
1: that and I think great. he did that on purpose i i I think it might have been there but that is a great moment, so I fully support that he is having him some fun for me. Uh, the person I believe was having them some fun and it kind of snuck up on me a little bit after I thought about it. It Uh is our martial artist expert, sunny blood peel
0: (laughs) that guy.
1: So sunny gets my vote because at the beginning of this movie, we get your standard, uh, team reading. Yeah. Back at, back at command. Everybody's got their glamor shots, which I'm never sure. I I don't know soldiers where they go to get these glamor shots. Yeah. Somehow. But uh, as they run through, Sonny is listed as the team's martial arts expert. So much so, he is such a badass that his nickname is just Blood. Just Blood. Just Blood. And it's what his friends call him. His friends call him Blood. That's exactly right. So we are sold hard on Sonny. We are going to see some stuff. So when we get to the jungle, Sonny is a martial artist who never martial arts. There's no martial arts. (laughs) There's not a single martial art that comes out of Sonny Peel. He gets stuck in a, in a punchy bear trap. And I guess maybe he just hurt his foot so bad. He can't crane kick or his roundhouse is broken, but he just, he never even throws a punch. It's like the biggest dodge of non cell I've ever seen, but to make up for it, he just goes insane in the very first moment. He (laughs) is the, what I call the first screamer. Uh, All the boys are taught to, and when you fire your gun, you scream. Yeah, Matei was famous for this. He saw Stallone do it. And he's like, if Stallone can do it, you can do it. And if everybody does it, that's even better. And Sonny wanders into frame and he is the first one to unload into the jungle. But he looks straight to camera and we don't know what he's shooting at. He just unloads and screams right into the camera. And it is surprising. It is is a shocking moment. So I think he just was like, you know, I'm not going to get the high kick. I'm not going to get to do this, but I'm going to be on screen first with my gun. So I'm going at it and he out screams everybody. It's just amazing.
0: And then isn't his name and someone else's name mixed up in the credits too? I didn't notice that. I think so. In one version of it, they probably fixed it, it for the Blu-ray. It but,
1: could be some, yeah. cause a lot of them, they'll, the names change cause there's some of them have their, to protect screenings. the innocent. Uh, I don't think anybody's innocent in this movie. I think they're, well, we know
0: of at least one guilty well, person now, uh, <laughs> yeah. moving on, moving on. Um, Playback time. Bill, you've described this uh, segment to me as what's the thing from this movie that you would show someone else to get them to watch this movie? Essentially, essentially the part of this movie that you will play back again and again.
1: Yes, yes, that's exactly Um, what this is.
0: My answer is very easy on this one. Because there's so many like tiny segments of this movie that I couldn't say, well, which one would I show and for what reason, right? Each one had its own thing. But what I will say is the first 15 minutes of this movie tell you more of a story of what the world was like at that time via interpersonal relationships between macho dudes What another country thinks macho American dudes are like, also kind of telling, like, you know, it's a ripoff from the beginning, so it's also like telling you, like, and this is kind of what movies are being made at this time, like, nothing is directly it. It really feels like a time capsule from like an outside of the United States perspective of aspects at that time,
1: yeah, fun. Is absolutely one of those things. So, and there's some terrible
0: things said in that first 15 (laughs) minutes and terrible filmmaking and other things, but like that's the point. You know what I mean? Like, this is wow. Okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, Bruno Mattei, the director, that's his wellness known for that. I think you mentioned this earlier, Rob. I think he has a real John McTiernan vibe of this is the kind of movie I make. And John McTiernan made Predator. He said, I made a popcorn movie that was fun. And Bruno Mattei made action movies. He didn't make love stories. He didn't make. as we know because it
0: was a cut.
1: Yeah, it was cut out. He doesn't make socio-political statements. He makes action movies from start to finish. And you're right. There is dialogue in this movie that is far more problematic than anything Predator could ever come up with. So much so that I don't think we'll repeat it here. Oh, no, 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 no. If right. you do watch it, just be ready for the for the boat embarkation. <laughs> there yes. some, there's some some lines.
0: Yeah, like but, We might have given you a whole bunch of reasons to watch this movie and a whole bunch of reasons to not support this movie. But just know that <laughs> these things happen.
1: These things do happen and they are of the time. So nobody excuses it now. It's just, it is what it is. And we can learn from watching these things. We can't know what not to do if we don't see it every once in a while. So at least on film, it's not real quote unquote. So I think that's one of the best ways to see a terrible thing so that you can learn not to do that terrible thing. That's at least it call. didn't really happen. So my playback time is very difficult, Rob, because I have six <laughs> things written down here. I want oh, no. I want to do them all, but I'm not going to do that. instead, i'm gonna I'm gonna pick one big one and then I've got to give you a small one. I just absolutely have to. My big playback time moment was at twenty nine minutes and fifty six seconds into this movie. the team one third come, of the way through the one movie. third of the way through. the team has made its way up to a road. On their way in. And as they come to the road, they're seeing the local bad guys who are kind of somewhat nameless, some kind of guerrilla team. They're chasing sure. some uh, clearly American missionaries or students and Catherine Hicklin, the soon-to-be yes. ex-Mrs. David Hasselhoff. Yes, yes. Down the road. So the team is watching this happen. The, the, the bad guys, are they're on horseback. They're in two Jeeps. They're slowly shooting the men i forget. they're they're dropping like thighs catherine hicklin is quote unquote running and in heels as fast as she can so they're probably what would you say a good quarter of a mile away when we first see them from the team just about so this group chases her all the way down the road across the bridge they skid to a stop they corner her on the side of the road and as they're about to kill her the camera whip pans to the right and 10 feet away Standing out in the open on the side of the road is the entire commando team, the all of the badass motherfuckers, as they're called. Actually, that's their name. We'll come back to that. So all the bad guys look right. The team looks forward and just kills them all immediately, screaming. They're just like, like they didn't see them there. It was beyond belief. I I rewound it six times. I'm like, well, and also like,
0: no questions asked.
1: We must kill
0: them. The blonde lady's running at us, so the other people must be bad guys. Let's kill them
1: exactly i mean the fact that they're going we must do something and they don't do anything until all the other men die
0: yeah you know what bill this might be poor filmmaking at that point
1: i think it's an extremely bad bad bad, (laughs) it's a bad edit choice they just you really needed to film that to make it look like they were farther apart but (laughs) to see that they're only they're literally 10 feet away from each other and and they don't notice this large group of american and and somewhat diverse guys standing on the side of the room with m60s Reminds me of the uh, steamroller scene in Austin Powers. Oh, that is a perfect analogy. That is a 100% perfect analogy.
0: I've got some bad news. Your stepfather was run over by a steamroller.
1: So that's my moment. And my honorable mention goes to the the point where uh, the Papa Doc, the medic, is at one point uh, right around uh, one hour, two minutes and 58 seconds into this movie. He's doing a run through the jungle and it's a camera track. So the camera's POV going through the jungle and it's moving at a pretty good clip. And I saw something go by on the right side. I'm like, what is that? It looks oh, like no. a, a really big flare or just something odd. So I slow moat it back and it's a man, you know, that story about how there's a ghost and three men and a baby and it's really <laughs> yes. just cut out yeah. in the window. I don't know what this is, but if you pause it, there is a man standing he's wearing a white button-down shirt and khakis in the middle of this jungle he, he must be a crewman or the director or it's not the director because it clearly was not bruno but it is a there was single, no
0: big bullhorn no. or
1: beret no it's not a, like a local farmer it is a single man dressed very well standing in this green forest he's not directing traffic or anything <laughs> he is just standing there and I we were it just Blew me right out. I was like, I had to sit there and get a second opinion. I'm like, is this, is this real or am I just imagining this? And there That's it is. That's great. That's don't great. Know, don't know who he is, but he he's amazing. So those are my playback time moments.
0: Oh man. Well, Bill, we've gotten to first of all follow Bill on Twitter, everyone, and he will share the rest of his list. Uh, but you got to remind him to do so. Yes. Now, Bill, we've almost reached the end of the episode, but before we get there. We have to talk about Time to Bleed. We do. It's, accident, today, yeah. it's our favorite death, violent, whatever scene, whatever you want to call it. Explosion. Um, I already said mine earlier, and I'll repeat it now. Those boots being left when Omega-1 explodes. Favorite part of this. Favorite part of this. Um, how
1: about you? I had to think about it for a moment cuz there's a lot going on in this movie, but what stood out to me, the the person whose death really got me was Papa Doc. Wow. When Papa Doc goes, he actually gets almost 2 on-screen deaths. This is really? unprecedented in a movie yeah. of this style. Papa Doc is caught in the river. He's dragged underwater by what we are sure is the robot. Yes. And, uh, you know, most movies, that's it. The team, he's gone. He's nowhere to be found. And so you kind of write him off. But then the next scene, we find him washed up on the river. He's alive. He wakes up. He gets up. He's a little stunned. He doesn't know what's going on. He just knows something chased him. And he takes off a running into the jungle. And this is the scene where I catch the guy in the white off to the right. <laughs> but I'm watching this and I'm like, something about this seems familiar. And I figured it out. He is Dennis Nedry before Dennis Nedry he is a Jurassic Park style run through the jungle he's a slightly portly man like Wayne Knight and as he's charging through the bus just screaming his head off I'm going that is Dennis Nedry to a T there is no way that somebody didn't watch this bit I think and be influenced by it for Jurassic Park Papa Doc also gets an amazing thing because when he does die and the robot doesn't catch him he the team meets him they're like are you okay and then you pan down, and for some reason, this is a thing we've never seen anywhere else in this movie. There is a doctor octopus tentacle yeah, yeah. that clearly has to be about three miles long. So where this yeah. robot stored it, I don't know. Snaking across the ground, and Corey looks down and goes, "Hey, Doc, you know what's that on your foot?" Which isn't on his foot at that moment, by the way. And this thing grabs him and pulls him off into the woods <laughs> and kills him. So he dies on screen twice. And so very really, terrifying really tough physical ways for a guy who is undoubtedly to be fair the least physically fit guy on this team
0: don't know why he's in this elite squad no
1: um he's their medic but he's clearly he's uh he's got some training issues but papa doc definitely had he not only had time to bleed he had time to bleed twice so
0: Well, now it's time for our debriefing. Phil. it's pretty apparent to me that if we were giving presentations in high school, you would be getting the A and I would be getting the C+. Oh. Um, but that's okay. They're both passing grades. You know, <laughs> we, That's why we work well as a team. Here's what I have to say. Having watched Predator and now having watched Robo War, both movies I've seen a couple of times each now, there's almost more to talk about in terms of this movie alone, than Predator alone. Now, as we go forward in the Predator series, we're going to be able to reference Predator 1, Predator 2, Alien versus Predator, things like that, which will create the longer conversations. But the things surrounding this movie make it more of an interesting talking point than the movie itself because it's not that great of a movie and it's obviously a carbon copy like the third page of a bank form you know it's it's the multiplicity copy of a copy it's the whatever you want to call it how many of you are there i love it but um we'll get to our our rating just after the the debriefing but Bill, I'd love to hear your thoughts.
1: I'm in the same boat. I think uh, as we're going along, the thing I'm really seeing about doing this project with you, Rob, is we all have our ideas of bad movies. I mean, you can call a lot of things bad movies, but I would call this, uh, to borrow a phrase from other people, uh, it's a good bad movie. What you can, What I see in these movies, it's part of, on a second run, this is my second time watching it, is you really see, once you've gotten past, because there's not a lot of story, you kind of start watching the movie. For the things in the movie. And these Italian crews, they didn't set out to make terrible movies. They set out to make a movie. And they give it their all. Yeah. They put their heart and their soul into it. They're they know they're not making A plus cinema or things that are going to go to cans, but they know it's gonna sit next
0: to Predator on the video shelf.
1: It is. They know that their local audiences are gonna want to go on a on a day and, and watch this movie in their local theater and be entertained and have something to watch that feels like they saw something interesting when they walked out so they're totally professional they give it their all when you watch the documentaries they all speak so well of the cast and the crews Mm -hmm. and especially i think of red brown because it's easy to be an american and know things about film and kind of dog on a guy like red brown who he's clearly not an a-list superstar like your like your arnold schwarzeneggers but this is a guy who worked he worked hard he did he, he did a good job he did everything he could with what he had knowing that what he has is not going to ever get him an Oscar. Mm-hmm. But they really show the effort in these movies. And that's what I love about this. So I, you start just really seeing that they put in an effort. Now, a movie that's just kind of awful, those are the irredeemable ones that I'm sure we won't be too great about. But yeah. that's the kind of movies that we're, I'm drawing for. And yeah, it's an 80s, what some people would call an 80s schlock movie. But it's an honest movie. It knows what it is. You know, it's it's not trying to fool you. And it is a movie I I might not watch it another 15 times, but I'm sure I'll watch it again. And if somebody said, hey, I'm looking for this kind of movie that's fun and crazy and really out there, I'm like, I would recommend this movie in a heartbeat. So I think Robo War has lots of life left in it to give. I think it has a lot of uh, more digital 8-bit life (laughs) left in it to crawl out of the Uh, woods and into your uh, video player.
0: Quick question for you, Bill. Uh, can I get an impression of what the robot sounds like?
1: You tell me, Rob. You're a video gamer. It was best described to me by uh, my better half as sounding exactly like Cubert.
0: <laughs> this is the segment we call late fees. Obviously, uh, how are we going to rate this film? You like to come up with a unique rating system for every movie, which is something everyone obviously knows if they've listened to this podcast um, on episode one. Now, what? how are we going to rate this one?
1: Well, I'm going to rate this one with a an item from this oh. movie that caught my eye. It caught the eye of the people that were watching it with me. Uh, I'm going to rate this one on one to five unlit Papa Doc's Pipes. Oh, wow. Papa Doc carries a pipe through this entire movie. He never lights it. It's a Sherlock Holmesian style pipe. He always has it. He carries it with him everywhere. Except when they get to the river scene, for some reason, (laughs) he puts it in his pocket and immediately gets it. It's going to be wet. There's no way he's ever going to be able to smoke it. So I'm like, I don't. Is the pipe a metaphorical symbol for the end of Papa Doc? I don't know. But that is my rating system. to keep this movie, what would you be willing to give up on a scale of one to five unlit Papa Doc's pipes? First of all, great choice.
0: Second of all, can I tell a quick pipe story? Absolutely. Okay. So in college, uh, I worked at an Einstein Brothers Bagels, and I smoked cigarettes. I don't smoke cigarettes anymore, Bill. Um, but mainly, I don't know if you know this, most of the time at really terrible jobs, you take up smoking so that you can like leave and stand outside for 10 minutes or so. Sure. People get it. It was a college town and obviously another college kid worked there at one point in time. He he was getting a degree in writing or English, something along those lines. And uh, he decided to join us when we'd smoke cigarettes sometimes and he would bring a pipe. And I was like the mixture of, Working at a fast food bagel restaurant in Kansas with a bunch of like poor, dirty, you know, late 20 year olds smoking cigarettes sitting on buckets in like an alleyway outside. And this kid comes out with his cap and pipe and is like sitting next to, like, I was just like, man, that this is, I love that you smoke a pipe, dude. I love it. I think it's great. And of course, I didn't say this to him, but I was just like, in my head I'm like smoke the pipe while you're reading your novel in your large leather back chair. Out here I'm hating my life and only smoking this cigarette so that I don't have to talk to strangers and take their bagel orders. That's what this is right now. I'm sitting on a 5-gallon bucket in an alleyway. This is not pipe time.
1: No, there's not been a murder committed inside the bagel shop that you yeah. didn't solve, sir. <laughs>
0: exactly. Anyway, I give it three and a half. No, a solid three pipes. Three pipes for this one.
1: I think we're going to come in pretty much ret- on. I'm going to give this movie three full unlit pipes and the the what clearly would have to be the broken stem once Papa yeah. Doc dies for three, three and a half. Three and a half unlit pipes for this movie. I just, uh, it's a great, it's a great movie of this genre. It's better than most. Where it kind of falls flat for me is one, the music really does take me out at some point, even though I like it. I don't like it for this. And for an Italian movie, which the Italians have no problem blowing up stuff. For some reason, they have their extremely flammable thatch and wood product (laughs) buildings to blow up. But there is so much walking in this damn movie that they, they could have just had some more extraneous firefights to fill in the time. It would have been, and it would have matched the animals show up. Yeah, it would have matched the music a lot better. At least it would have been some action. So it kind of drags. It's it's ninety minutes for
0: a movie that's ninety minutes. Yeah,
1: it it drags itself along a little too far. So, but still a fun watch and and definitely a a fun B movie for this type and a great Predator ripoff.
0: Yeah, and I think like if you really want to watch this movie, watch it in two parts.
1: You know, like, if you're
0: feeling like after 40 minutes, take a break, take a break, because it ain't getting any better, but it has some good spots that you're going to want to see at the end.
1: Absolutely. Go outside, find a five-gallon bucket, sit down on it, smoke a pipe, come back in, finish the movie. It'll
0: work out great. And I'm amending my rating. It's two pipes in a leather chair and one alley pipe. So three pipes total, but like A little bit more on the the positive pipe side.
1: Wow, you've really steered us into a John Houseman commercial on that (laughs) one. That's gonna be great. Wow, Bill.
0: Another terrific episode. I say another, but it's our first episode of the podcast. As I'm sure we talked about many times within that podcast, we recorded some stuff out of order, but this was so much fun thank you thank you thank you for introducing me to robo war
1: it's a really special thing to have a friend as good as you rob where you can say let's launch some my new careers off the backs of a movie starring reb brown and an atari-based robot and <laughs> it works it's just too it's, much fun
0: it's it just works bill i mean there's some things that you see them on paper you get into the room and they don't work this works And that's why it is an excellent adventure. Now, Bill, one of the things we're going to try and do as much as possible on this podcast is answer listener questions. Okay, we've solicited these questions on our social medias, on the discord that I'm a part of and all over the place. Sometimes people just hit us up. They slide in the DMs with questions. And, you know, it's a little bit more tough on the first episode to get people to ask questions. But I encourage people to do it and let us know where if you can't find Bill or I on the web for some reason, you can leave your question in the form of a five star review on Apple Podcasts. We will be looking at them uh, and then crying when you are critical. But well, today
1: (laughs) you'll be crying. I'll be sobbing.
0: Okay, well, we're emotional men. We're sensitive, as my parents told me in the 90s Mm -hmm. now. Bill, today's question comes from Jamie from Ohio. Well, I don't even know who this is, but I am so happy Jamie has written in. Jamie apparently has listened to some other things that we've done, maybe like that when we did Sold in the Room, our live show, which it ain't dead. Nope. We just are focusing on the podcast right now. Jamie has this to say, Bill. Wait, Ohio? Maybe they know you.
1: Oh, yeah. That's how it works around here. (laughs) Just Everybody knows everybody. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like everyone's like, hey, I got a friend in California. Do you know them? Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: So here's Jamie's question. Dear Bill and Rob's, so, so, so excited for this podcast to launch. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. Do you have any specific memories of going to the video store rental? I would love to know your local shop when you were a kid. And what you uh, uh, rented most or never rented, but always wanted to? Oh, my God. Bill, wow. Jamie is coming in hot with this question.
1: Yeah, Jamie's hit something really close to home for me because one of my most powerful childhood memories is my initial trip to the video store.
0: Oh, my God. And t- and that was that like, video stores always existed in my memory, but you probably have an, a memory of when they didn't.
1: Oh, absolutely. They did not exist when I was a kid. We did not get those. I was in 10 or 11 years old before our town ever got one. And it was, it's a 20 minute drive. So it was not a thing that was going to happen very often, but our local store was called Sights and Sounds Video. Oh, I love it. And my father took me there on a Saturday. Now I love my old man dearly, but we didn't do a lot of stuff just on our own, especially not go to town, but he decided we were never getting cable out here in the sticks. So he bought a VCR and got to put something in it. So we trucked to Zanesville after he looked through the yellow pages and found the video store. We went in and he said, go rent whatever you want. So I wandered through the store and I'm just looking at the covers like the good old days and I see, I want this movie. Didn't know what it was. Turned out I'd rented Blue Thunder, a very R-rated movie.
0: <laughs> Is that on our list for future it,
1: episodes? It'll be under the uh, embarrassment when you have to watch it as a kid and, and your mom's finds yep. out what happened yep. because you put the VCR tape in that Saturday morning and the swear words come a flying and the naked yoga scene starts and you don't really have an explanation for how this happened all you saw was helicopter that looked cool and I love it your dad didn't know what it was so you came home with it and got in big trouble <laughs> big, big trouble
0: <laughs> oh man that is awesome that is so awesome uh I used to frequent a place called movies at home in Lee's Summit, Missouri, which, uh, eventually became an Applebee's and then, uh, but it was right next to a Mr. Goodsense. So as you can see, like, this is a strip mall type town, things coming and going. Eventually we got a Hollywood video, which I had friends in college and high school that worked at, which was awesome because then you just rented as much shit as you wanted. But movies at home was, was very, very special to me because it was also the first place I could rent Nintendo games. And that was a whole concept when you have no money and your parents don't really want to buy you anything that is video game related, but I will rent one for $4. And sure. There were a ton of films I could have watched, could have rented. And I know this is drifting from Jamie's question a little bit, but I remember specifically renting the tiny tune adventures video game at one point, And my brother, older brother being, so mad at me for wasting our weekly video game rental because he did not get to go this time. And he, for the life of him, did not want to play a tiny tune adventures video game.
1: (laughs) Well, that's on him. He should have been in the family truckster next to you so he could get his say. Yep. Uh, and I always wanted
0: to rent as I got older, uh, shocker and, and monkey shines because they were the two, VHS tapes that I was always intrigued by never ever got to rent as a
1: youngster. Oh, uh, I remember going to the store and there was always that video that you wanted to watch and you just kind of never got around to it for one reason or another or they wouldn't rent it to you, you weren't old enough to get it, you yep. just couldn't commit to not watching Raiders of the Lost Ark for the third <laughs> time. Good oh man. It was so
0: good, so good. Well, thank you Jamie. Thank, Thank you, Jamie. Jamie. Great, great question. And keep the questions coming. You can find all the ways to contact us in the show notes or just reach out to us on social media. Bill has his. I have mine. If you're a good enough sleuth, you can find me.
1: Now, Yeah, we're not exactly uh, cloaked like the predator or hiding out in anything. We're We're pretty easy to spot out there on the socials. So hit us up.
0: Excellent. Well, Bill, I just want to... Clean some house and make sure that we thank Jothan Cashero for our podcast art. I love it; it's so great. He took our notes and made it a reality. I want to thank Doctor Z and Draxium for our theme song. Amazing, amazing work! You can check out the Bandcamp link in the show notes. Support a local musician—that's the best way we can uh, help each other out in this uh, gig economy. And uh, Bill, there are multiple ways to support this show. We're gonna have clips on YouTube. But more specifically, there's actually a support link in the show notes. Like if you like this show and you want to show any like monetary value to it, no pressure,
1: but it would really help us and it'll help us make more episodes in the future. And much like the artists of old, uh, it's not a subscription. You're not committed to anything long term, simply put. If you like what you see and you want to drop something into the empty guitar case of podcasting that Rob and I have at our feet to keep us going on this thing, it'd be great. Anything helps us to go. And the more support we get, the more shows we can make. That's something you'll hear in a lot of places. And it's true. Rob and I can tell you, that's exactly how this works. So we're having a great time. Uh, Any support that you can give us would be very much appreciated. And we thank you for it.
0: Excellent. Excellent. this is excellent and you have been excellent
1: you've been excellent
0: well bill i guess we'll see everyone next time on bill and rob's an excellent adventure